0: The late Yale neuroscientist, Patricia Goldman-Rachick, said that working memory is the mental glue that links a thought through time from its beginning to its end. What happens when this system goes haywire? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Katherine Jacobson-Raymond. Ms. Raymond is an investigative journalist who writes for many national publications, including the New York Times Magazine. She is a fellow of the McDowell Colony and a member of the National Association of Science Writers. Her current book is called Carved in Sand, When Attention Fails and Memory Fades in Midlife.
1: Welcome to ReachMD, Catherine. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here.
0: Catherine, tell us about the neural bouncer functions of the frontal lobe.
1: So You like that, huh? I do.
0: It's a great way to describe it.
1: It's great, isn't it? I was throwing my arms around the scientist who gave me the metaphor. I said, you have no idea how many times I plan to use this. Uh, (laughs) The neural bouncer. Well, now, you know, when you're young, you have the equivalent of a nightclub bouncer standing in front of your brain with his or her hand on the velvet rope. And only what that bouncer allows in is going to get in. But as you get older, as you get into middle age, the neural bouncer starts to take a lot of coffee breaks and eventually goes off duty altogether, at which point anything is fair game. The riffraff is pouring in, and there's not a lot you can do about it. And I'm sure that many of our listeners have noticed how much more distractible they've become to the point that they may feel that they've developed adult ADHD. And in the course of writing Carved in Sand, I met many, many people who said to me, I know what's wrong with me. Well, what would that be? I have developed adult ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, did you have any problem with ADHD as a child? Did you have difficulties in school? Were you very distractible? Well, no. How are your grades? Well, I was a very good student. How did you do in college? Um, Well, very well, and also well in graduate school. I said, well, it's highly unlikely that you have developed adult ADHD because you effectively can't develop it. What you have is really a case of overload. And one of the people who's written about this so very well is Dr. Edward Hallowell. He's written a number of books about ADHD, but his most recent book is called Crazy Busy. And I interviewed him and actually went to have an evaluation with him. And he explained to me in no uncertain terms that as adults, we have this endless bombardment in all directions, and it's quite uncontrollable. And so instead of how it was when we were kids and when our parents were, you know, in their busiest years, it used to be that if you wanted to get information, you had to answer the phone, open the door, or, you know, open the mail, one or the other. It wasn't just coming at you constantly. Well, we've really rearranged that. We now want all information all the time, and that's what we've got. And, you know, I consider my smartphone to be the greatest tool I have ever owned, and I cannot imagine that I lived without it. But the truth is that it's always on and there is no downtime, and thus we are experiencing this uncontrollable bombardment of information that is not an experience our parents ever had. Now, in their midlife years, they experience many of the same changes in the frontal lobes. All of us, all mammals do. If you're a chimpanzee and you're in chimpanzee midlife, you will experience those changes. The difference being that as the frontal lobe function changed, their lives got less complicated. They were typically finished raising children. They were looking towards retirement. They were not in the thick of it in the way we are in the thick of it and so it was a little bit easier for them than it is for us.
0: And to just the social climate as well, where more women are working outside the home and less capable of keeping the home fires burning. As you alluded to, most of us in our age range have, still have kids at home. And then we may have elderly parents as well that we're dealing with, as well as our jobs. And, and that's a relatively new phenomenon.
1: Yes, it is relatively new. And the technical requirements of keeping everybody up and running are really complicated when you think about it.
0: So does this overstimulation look like forgetfulness?
1: This overstimulation looks exactly like forgetfulness. It is really a matter of not being able to control what gets to you and when, and not being able to do a very good job of prioritizing. It used to be Quite evident what needed to be done first and what needed to be done next, and that was usually decided by who was screaming the loudest <laughs> but the, but now everyone 's screaming the loudest. I mean, I just had to laugh frankly because i 'm going down to washington d c to Walter Reed to do some interviews, and it took me nearly two weeks to get the interviews set and Finally, after tremendous work, I got them set. And approximately four minutes later, I received an email from the press attache requesting my questions before the end of the day. And I thought to myself, this is absurd. You know, there is absolutely, there's no lag time at all between the request and the expected response. And so that does make it far more difficult.
0: And then the 24-7 pace of life and the expectation that you're constantly available has to make it all worse as well.
1: It definitely does. You know, I mean, I don't think many of us would give up the Internet. I know I would not give it up. I have a real desire to hook into what I refer to as the information nipple as soon as I can. You know, I come back from a trip or something, and this is what I want to do is look up about 15 things. I don't think people are, would be willing to give it up. But it is very challenging to manage this much information.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Reach MD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Catherine Jacobson Raymond. We are discussing frontal lobe overload. Well, you'd love this, Catherine. I just found out last week there's this free service called Cha Cha. Have you heard
1: of this? No, I don't know. So, Cha
0: Cha, you either text or ring an 800 number that's just Cha Cha two and you can ask Cha-Cha any question about anything and they text you back within a minute or two with the answer. Mm, so, is it right? And uh, you know, so far <laughs> we, we've tested it multiple times and so far they're, you know, they're pretty darn good. So, That's
1: very, very interesting. So, yeah. Well, another way to fracture your attention. <laughs> exactly. So, let me expand on what I was saying before, which is Because there are so much going on and so many demands, we've responded to that with the development of this capacity for multitasking. And this is something that comes naturally to computers. They're built for it, but has never, ever been natural to human beings. Human beings are, without question, sequential processors. Their brain can do one thing at a time. You might be able to sort of eat and read the newspaper, but I usually end up with food all over the chair and the floor and everything if I do that. But we're sequential processors. And what we've been trying to do, and what we're pushed to do professionally very often, To become multiple processors simultaneous processors and very very few people are any good at it even when they're in their 20s but by the time you reach your early 40s you really don't have the capacity for it anymore and the fracturing of attention doesn't work it means that you spend a lot of time cleaning up the detritus You pretend, you think that you're still young and swift cognitively, and so you skim that email and discover that, you know, a couple weeks later when you're sitting in a restaurant by yourself waiting for someone who's not coming, you discover you didn't quite read all of it. You didn't read to the bottom of it. You were too busy doing three things at once. And I find every day that I have to resist the inclination to do that, that each task must be begun and finished or begun and consciously put away properly so that another task can be picked up if that first task can't be finished because I have to wait for something. It's not a matter of juggling a whole lot of plates. It can't be done successfully. And I don't know if you've ever made a really bad email mistake where you send to an entire list of people, and you do not intend to do that, or you send, but you forget the attachment. I mean, it's tremendously common to do that. And this is almost universally a result of trying to multitask. I don't recommend it.
0: Now, you talk in your book about the Japanese researchers who have discovered the thumb tribe.
1: That's right. Tell us about that. When I was doing that research about three years ago, and more recently, there have been more studies showing That these individuals are developing parts of their frontal lobes are substantially developed, but they're not parts we've ever seen in humans before. And all of the networks related to their thumbs are pretty well developed also but they don't seem to be able to remember anything. They are completely reliant on their devices for information that typically people recall. Like well, when's your mother's birthday? I don't know. I better look. Mm-hmm. What's your mother's phone number? You know,
0: what's your phone number? Are you kidding? Forget what's about your, your mother. Well, no, <laughs> I,
1: mean, I know my phone number. Cause we give it out constantly, <laughs> but you know, very few people can think of their own phone numbers cause they never call themselves. But things that you would commonly know we've, decided to delegate to devices, and we don't know them anymore. Well, you know, multiply that by really, really a lot of time on a device, and you get the thumb tribe in Japan.
0: Now, you mentioned forgetting to send the attachment in emails, and I'm particularly guilty of that. Does technology have an answer for us?
1: Yes. Well, there is actually a software program now that yells at you. If you allude to an attachment, like, see the attachment, and there's no attachment, the program will say, wait, what is <laughs> this supposed to be an attachment? And I have not actually used this program. But as I say in the book, when a friend of mine is a graphic designer who said he sent out more things without the attachments than with the attachments, has found that he's increased his reliability consistently over the past year or so.
0: So once again, we're looking for something else to help us other than our frontal lobes. Any other tips on how we can handle this onslaught of information other than just focusing on one thing at a time?
1: Well, you know, that is the big thing, is to eliminate the multitasking. But also, I talk a lot about in the book about developing strategy and scaffolding. And, you know, I knew that that was right when I wrote the book, but I hadn't had a lot of opportunity to put it except for the major job of writing and organizing the material of the book, I hadn't really brought it into practice in other parts of life. And in the last six months or so, I've been working on four big articles simultaneously, each one with many, many interviews. And I realized before I started that, you know, if you ever wanted scaffolding, if you ever needed strategy, you need it now now. And so I've been very consciously developing methods that they're fail-safe in a way. They eliminate what I know to be my weaknesses. And I think that that's something that, as people who are under constant bombardment, we have to do.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your ideas with us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We've been speaking with Katherine Jacobson-Raymond and talking about her book, Carved in Sand. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you'll receive six months of free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions or questions, give us a ring at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.